Jenkins. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. I've been a member of the Unitarian Church of Edmonton for 31 years. During that time, I've served in a number of different roles. I currently serve on the Church Services Committee and the Leadership Committee. Welcome to the Unitarian Church of Edmonton's online Zoom service. We are a liberal, multi-generational religious community. We celebrate a rich mosaic of free thinking, spiritually questing individuals joined in a common support and common action. We welcome a full range of theological perspectives, including atheism, as well as a full range of spiritual traditions and practices. As a Unitarian Universalist congregation, we strive to be a community where everyone is accepted and fully able to participate regardless of gender, gender expression, race, color, ethnic or national origin, religion, sexual, affectional orientation, age, class, physical character or disability. 
whether you've been part of our congregation for decades or this is your first time visiting, we welcome you. Whatever the faith and traditions of your past, we welcome you. Whatever your theological stance, we welcome you. Whatever your heritage, we welcome you. Whoever you are and whomever you love, we welcome you, the whole of you. We especially welcome any visitors who might be with us today and invite you to join us for conversation in the breakout rooms once the service has ended. We invite you to place your name and contact information in our online guest book, which you can find on the uce.ca website. Today, we gather together in gratitude on Treaty 6 land. A treaty is an inheritance, a responsibility, and a relationship. As part of that relationship, we're sharing with you the new Indigenous names that have been given to Edmonton's 12 redrawn municipal wards. The names were chosen by a panel of 17 Indigenous women, the Committee of Indigenous Matriarchs, and were approved by City Council in December of 2020. Today we share with you Ward 4. The Dene Ward is in Northeast Edmonton. The word Dene refers to the various Indigenous and non-Indigenous people who've settled along the North Saskatchewan River. The areas along the river that were settled by the Dene include the area where Edmonton now sits. For the Dene, spirituality permeates every facet of life. A hallmark spiritual practice for the Dene is the tea dance. A tea dance might be held to ask for a successful hunting season, for good weather, or to commemorate a meeting with a neighboring community. Tea dances are still held regularly and remain very important to the Dene culture. Good morning. I'm Reverend Leanne Washington, and I'm serving as the Unitarian Church of Edmonton's Interim Minister. Our theme for the month of April is Becoming. Today, however, the message for this service comes from the fact that today is Easter, one of the holiest days of the year for Christians. Before we delve into Easter, I do want to recognize that today is also the last day of Passover, Pesach, one of the holiest days of the year for Jews. While most of the Christian world focuses on the horrors of the crucifixion and the miracle of Jesus's resurrection, I have long been fascinated by a few stories that we have of events that transpired after the resurrection. They are rich with lessons that are rarely explored. So today we will be exploring some of the misunderstandings misidentifications and miscommunications that appear in the traditional Easter story. Through them, we will learn how easily we are blinded to our own perspective and by our own expectations. Also, during the closing words portion of the service, you will be asked to respond to the interim transition team's third question. Now, let us join in worship. We begin our sacred time together as congregations around the world do by lighting our chalice. As we light our chalice, my daughter Lucy Gilbert will read my adaptation of a responsive reading written by my friend and colleague, Reverend Amy Russell, the UU minister at the Unitarian Universalist Community Church in Glen Allen, Virginia. We light this chalice of welcome and comfort to all who share this time and space made sacred by our presence. Here we are always striving to become a community where you are held in love and in comfort, where you share your joy and your spirit, where you ask questions because you felt they need asking, and where you find friendship and companions. For community means that fragile, not perfect human beings can come together in the name of love and joy 
and curiosity and friendship to seek and find peace. With mics muted, please join in singing this upbeat rendition of hymn number 360, Here We Have Gathered. significant joy or sorrow, please type it into the chat window at the bottom of the screen where we will be able to see it. I will read them aloud and your joys and sorrows will be part of our posted recording of the service. If you would not like to have your joy or sorrow available to the public, then indicate that in the chat with the prefix private. You may also send your joy or sorrow to candles at uce.ca. While you compose your joys and sorrows, please take a moment to reflect upon the joys and sorrows in the life of our community while listening to Dragonfly by Anne Crosby Gooday.
lights a candle of concern for her mother-in-law and father that seemed to be aging so quickly. Seeing no other candles of joy or concern, I will light a candle for all the unspoken joys and sorrows held within the sanctuary of our hearts, and also for all those who have yet to find a spiritual home where they can share their joys and sorrows. Now that our candles of connection are lit, I invite you to enjoy a moment of reflection as you listen to a springy instrumental piece, Logan Epic Canto's Spring Equinox. in Christian scriptures, each telling of the story varies from the other. To first century Christians, it wasn't important to get the details exactly the same as in recording a, an historic event, but to get the gist of the story expressed. Even then, it is common for one telling of the story to emphasize one thing about the story, while another telling emphasizes something else. I have adapted the following readings from the Gospels to maintain the gist of the scripture while emphasizing what we will be discussing today. The first reading, and the stone was rolled away, will be read by my daughter, Lucy Gilbert. Prior to the Sabbath, Jesus had been taken down from the wooden cross on which he had been crucified. His body was placed in a tomb that had been cut into a hillside enclosed by a large, heavy, circular stone. Early on the first day of the week following the Sabbath, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of Jesus, and Salome walked toward Jesus's tomb carrying spices they would use to anoint Jesus's body. As they walked, they asked themselves, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting in the tomb. He said to them, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. Go tell his disciples that he will see you in Galilee. So Salome and Mary, the mother of Jesus, left in a hurry to tell Jesus' disciples what had just happened and where to meet him. Mary Magdalene, however, stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, the young man asked her, why are you crying? She replied, Jesus is not here and I do not know where he is. At this, she turned around and saw a man standing a few yards behind her. As he moved toward her, he also asked her, why are you crying? Who is it that you are looking for? To him, she replied the same way saying, Jesus is not here and I don't know where he is. Thinking that this, this man was just the gardener, she also said to him, sir, if you know where he is, tell me and I will go to him. Hearing no response, she turned once more toward the tomb for one last look before leaving. Within her back 
With her back turned to the gardener, she heard the kindest, gentlest voice say her name, Mary. Hearing her name, she turned toward him, recognized him as Jesus, and cried, cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. With mics mu muted, please join in singing hymn number 268, Jesus Christ is Risen Today. crucifixion, two of his disciples were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked, they talked with each other about all the things that had happened over the last three days. While they were walking and talking, a strange man who was also walking on the road to Emmaus joined them. The stranger said to them, what are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. The disciple named Cleopas answered him saying, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? The stranger asked him, what things? They replied, the things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. And how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem and free Israel. The disciples continued saying, yes, and besides all this, it's now the third day since these things took place. Also, two women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning with a third woman, and when they did not find his body there, two of the women came back and told us that they had seen a young man at the tomb who said that Jesus was alive. Hmm. Some of the disciples who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus or the young man. Then the stranger said to them, oh, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, the stranger interpreted to them the things about the Messiah and all the scriptures. 
As they came near the village to which they were going, the stranger walked ahead as if he were going to go on. But they urged him strongly, saying, stay with us, because it's almost evening and the day is now nearly over. So the stranger stayed with them. When the stranger was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized the stranger as Jesus. Later that evening, the two disciples returned to Jerusalem and found other disciples gathered together. They told them what had happened on the road to Emmaus and how Jesus had been made known to them only in the breaking of bread. With mics muted, please join in singing hymn number 270, O Day of Light and Gladness. some of you saying, resurrection, that's impossible. That's a myth. So I don't have to pay any attention to this story. Unitarian Universalists, especially the Unitarians, value science and reason. And this story is neither scientific nor reasonable. Yep, I hear you. Well, let's try changing our perception just a little bit. You know, People come back from the dead all the time. We don't call it resurrection. We call it resuscitation. According to MedicineNet, a medical website, resuscitation is the procedure of restoring to life as in cardiopulmonary resuscitation. And the first in a series of definitions offered by the free online medical dictionary is restoration to life or consciousness of one apparently dead or whose, or whose respirations have ceased. And then there's a medical term for this phenomenon called the Lazarus phenomenon. And this phenomenon I'm talking about is where a person who failed to be resuscitated by advanced life support techniques, nonetheless, spontaneously regains cardiovascular circulation and regular bleeding. I'm sorry, regular breathing. So let's take that objection and set it aside for a moment so that we can look at each of the stories and see what useful lessons we can glean from them. And the first story, 
The part I want to focus on is the part where Mary Magdalene, considered by many to have been an intimate companion to Jesus, did not recognize him. Why is that? Blinded by her expectation that a dead man's body stays where it has, was last placed, her only reasonable conclusion as to why Jesus was not in the tomb was because someone had stolen his body. This thought so distressed her that she could not hear what the young man in the tomb had said. She couldn't even register the possibility that Jesus was not, in fact, dead. When the man standing at a slight distance from her asked her the same question that the young man had, why are you crying? She didn't recognize that man as Jesus. So wedded was she to the notion that Jesus's body must have been stolen or taken somewhere that she ended up asking Jesus himself if he had stolen his own body or if he knew where the body was because she wanted to go to him. She wanted to, to do the ministrations that were expected. Have you ever found yourself so certain that you knew what was going on with someone close to you or what was going on in some situation that later you discovered you had completely misunderstood, that you had misidentified someone or perhaps someone's intentions? Well, that's exactly what happened to Mary Magdalene. If we're honest, it's happened to most of us at some time or other. For Mary, it was only when Jesus said her name and probably in the most tender and loving way that her name could be spoken, that she was brought out of her distress and could hear and see Jesus, whom she called teacher, but not just teacher. The eye on Rabboni indicates ownership of a thing or a close relationship between people. To Mary, Jesus was her own special teacher. And we can only imagine the joy that came with her new awareness that Jesus was alive and well. This reminds me of a story about a man who was shipwrecked and stranded on an island. Every day he prayed, asking God to send someone to rescue him. But to his disappointment, no one ever came. Months passed and this man learned how to survive on the island and during the time that he was there, he accumulated things, creating a shelter and various things uh, to catch food or grow food or prepare food. Uh, he made some very basic uh, body coverings. He had these things that he had collected and pulled together and he stored them in the hut, which he had constructed. And then one day after hunting for food and returning back to his hut, while much to his dismay, his hut was on fire along with everything else he owned. All of his possessions were going up in smoke. The only things he had left were the clothes on his back and they weren't much. Initially he was in shock and then he was consumed with anger and rage. In his fury, he threw a fist into the air and began cursing God and yelling, how could you let this happen to me? I have been praying every day for months about being rescued and no one has come. And now everything that I have is on fire. How could you do this to me? Why did you let this happen? <laughs> These are the sort of questions I have asked myself in the throes of some flu or physical discomfort. Right, I think that's a natural place we all kind of go when we are unfairly, unjustly, and unexpectedly in pain of some sort. Well, later this man was on his hands and knees weeping heavily when he looked up and saw a ship coming in his direction. The man was rescued. And as they were heading back to civilization, the man asked the captain, how are you able to find me? And the captain responded, we weren't looking for you. We were just voyaging across the ocean on our normal route when we noticed on the horizon a column of smoke. We decided to check it out. And when we did, that's when we found you. So 
We can't ever be sure what role a situation or a person, especially situations and people that we consider negative, painful, and harmful, will ultimately have in our lives. The important thing is not to let your fear and disappointment cloud your vision. Don't let them keep you from seeing the good that is right before your eyes. You know, the two disciples on their way to Emmaus would have known Jesus extremely well. It's hard to imagine how they failed to recognize him by his appearance or by his voice. They walked for miles with someone they considered a stranger to them without realizing that the stranger was, in fact, their beloved Jesus. There are some particularly interesting aspects about this story that are worth noting. First, did you notice that they are bemoaning not just the loss of Jesus the person, but also of the expectation that Jesus would be the Messiah who would free them from the occupation and oppression of the Romans? This misunderstanding of Jesus's intent created untold personal pain and misery for those who followed him, causing them to totally miss the greater message that he had been preaching all along. That the kingdom of God, which we now refer to as the beloved community, is not some far off thing in the future, but is present now within each of us and among us as we gather. All we have to do is truly act with justice, kindness, and compassion. Not just say that we are, but actually act in these ways, and we will manifest the beloved community. It's not up to God. It's up to us. Also of note is the fact that it was only when the three broke bread together, that is, when they engaged in a fundamental and intimate form of communion, that of providing for each other the necessities of survival, did their eyes and ears open and they realized who they had been with all this time. Nothing they understood to be true was actually true. And discovering that Jesus was alive and well gave rise to a new and yet unfathomed possibility. For some, from such humble beginnings, arose a religion with 2.3 billion adherents, adherents around the world. Now, if only they would live into Jesus's teachings of justice, forgiveness, and compassion, our world would be a much better place. In part, what these stories are trying to tell us is that oftentimes we miss opportunities for deeper connection and greater understanding because we become entrenched in our own way of seeing things. That's one of the reasons that being part of a community like ours is so important. When we find ourselves deeply entrenched in our negative judgment of someone or some circumstance, we can seek out the wisdom of others' perceptions to help us gain a greater vision and a deeper understanding. In life, we're always going to be confronted with challenges, problems, even disasters. But keep in mind that what seems to be meant to harm you, when you change your frame of reference, can, in the long run, be transformed into a blessing. Human beings have an enormous capacity for forgiveness, compassion, and sacrifice for others. These are just a few spiritual aspects that, in a world without disappointments, challenges, and heartbreak, we wouldn't be able to develop these spiritual characteristics. So I invite you, when you face a significant challenge, take a moment be self-reflective, invite people that you trust into your situation and share with them how you feel and what's going on. And give them an opportunity to show you kindness, to encourage you toward forgiveness and to exercise compassion. 
and together, you may find that your perception of what is going on is maybe not really what's happening. And that maybe in the long run, what you're facing now will, as time goes on, and it, it goes into the rear view mirror, be a blessing. With mics muted, please join in singing hymn number 276, O Young and Fearless Prophet. Generosity is a spiritual practice, one that enlarges the heart and lightens the spirit. For no matter how much or how little we have and the sharing of it, both the one who gives and the one who receives are blessed. We are a self-governing and self-supporting community. We rely on your donations to support our staff and to offer our programs. Now more than ever, we need your financial support. Please visit our uce.ca 
website and click on donate in the upper left corner to find the donation method that suits you. For the month of March or the month of April, huh, I'm going to apologize to whatever group is supposed to be our group for April. The Unitarian, the Unitarian Universalist United Nations Office is this month's charity. Ah, thank you very much, voice from beyond. <laughs> so we ask that you visit their website and donate to them as well. Now, uh, please join in singing hymn number 402 from You I Receive. service to a close, I want to make sure that we express our gratitude to those who have made today's service possible. Jan McMillan and Karen Belita, who opened our Zoom room for the service and greeted everyone. Andrew Mills, who created our slides and ran them today. Beth Jenkins and Lucy Gilbert, who've been our readers. Gloria Krenbrink, who is recording our service. Ruth Marriott, who will post our recording on the YouTube and sound SoundCloud platforms, and Sylvia Crow, who's managing our breakout rooms. There's a story about a young child who's sitting on the floor at his mother's feet, looks up and sees the underside of some needlework that she's doing. He asks her, Mommy, what are you doing? It looks so messy. You're spending so much time working on this, and all I see is a mess of threads. Without stopping her needlework, his mother says, have some patience, little one. And when I am finished, I will show you what I have created. And so a few days later, the young boy's mother picked him up and put him on her lap to show him the finished product, a picture of their home, including the flower garden and the fence. To which the young boy exclaimed, oh, mommy, this is so beautiful. I didn't know. Well, we're sometimes like that little boy, don't you think? We have learned today that our lives are messy. And when we are in conflict or feel ourselves hurt by another, sometimes our initial perceptions of the person or the situation may not be the whole story. And unless we take the time to first look at ourselves and ask why something hurt us so, or to further explore the circumstances, or to try to see the effect that our acts are having on another, or perhaps most importantly, to seek help, to see a fuller picture from others with whom we are in community, well, we may just miss a most precious opportunity to make meaning and to make connections. If we do these things, however, we may just find that there's a valuable lesson there for us, an opportunity to grow our perception and to grow our capacities for self-reflection, compassion, and acceptance and ultimately to deepen our connections with each other. On more than one occasion in my life, as I have said before, I have found comfort in these verses from Max Ehrman's poem, Desiderata, because they remind me that our experience of life is largely dependent on our perception and on our willingness to change it. He wrote, you are a child of the universe no less than the trees and the stars, you have a right to be here. And whether it is clear to you or not, no doubt the universe is unfolding as it should. Therefore, be at peace with God, whatever you conceive God to be. And whatever your labors and aspirations in the noisy confusion of life, keep peace in your soul. With all its sham, drudgery and broken dreams, it is still a beautiful world.
Be cheerful. Strive to be happy. Now, Ruth Patrick will pose another question from the interim transition team and will give us some instructions on what to do. We'll read a few of your answers to that question if you'll share them by putting them in the chat box. So uh, we have one answer, which is choir, working with people who have shared principles to improve our, our world. Gloria shared that. And Jan is speaking for group one and said that open-minded people keep them here. And Ruth Marriott is reporting for three people in her group that it's a sense of community, of feeling able to share one's beliefs and thoughts with others who are open-minded. And Oksana uh, speaks for a group of five. A big part of why we stay in the community is the sense of belonging and having a core group of people who share the same values. Having group makes them feel less isolated. And Maureen is speaking for three people in the group that it's again, values, diversity and shared principles that keep them coming. Susan uh, shares for four people, uh, three different things, I think. Uh, freedom to define religion, your own religion uh, spiritual pluralism and a deep sense of community. Marge speaks for two people and just <laughs> what keeps them here are the people. All right, we have quite a few more answers, too many to go through at this point, but I will leave the chat up so that you can read the answers for yourself. It's Really delightful that so many people have stayed to participate and the transition, the interim transition team and I appreciate it very much. The next question, which is what is missing for you at UCE will be posed to you on Sunday, April 18th. And we hope that you'll continue to participate. We close our service by extinguishing our chalice and I will share the words written by Elizabeth Strong. Reverently, I offer this symbol of our hope and high intent. Reverently, I bequeath this flame to you. This is the light that is lit for everyone who comes into the world. Bear this light to others, one by one. Let the flame go from life to life till all is lit with its warmth. Tell that the light means wisdom. Tell that the light means kindness. Tell that the light means understanding. Tell that the light means tolerance. Tell that the light means sacrifice. Tell that the light is a vision of a fairer world. Tell that this is the light that is lit for everyone who comes into the world. With mics muted, please join in singing our closing song, Carry the Flame. our worship service this morning. Please feel free to take a comfort break, get a cup of coffee, and watch our weekly announcements as they slide by. This week they begin with a meme that a friend of mine, some of you may remember Maria Barrera, 
she sent this meme to me this morning and it was so cute and the truth of what it says resonated with me so much that I thought I should share it this morning with you. So we start off with this cute meme and then there are um, announcements for various things that are happening in our community over the next week or so. So in a few minutes, you'll be invited into randomly assigned breakout rooms for conversation and coffee. If you bring a cup, that is. You may accept the invitation to join a breakout room. You may decline the invitation or you may accept the invitation. And then when you're ready, return to the main room. I will remain in the main room for about an hour for questions and comments about the service and for general discussion. Mm -hmm. 